Week four, and we're ready to break it down for you. Chris Long and Ryan Lucillo here on the Lucillo Podcast, part of the Ringer Network, and brought to you by Belvedere. Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Part of a 600-year Polish vodka-making tradition, Belvedere is made with 100% Polska rye, pure water, and no additives. And, um, yeah, I don't know. What's up with you this weekend? Nothing. No drinking. My direct TV was broken, so I had to, like, download every streaming app known to man and toggle back and forth between Sunday Ticket. I had to get a cable box with an antenna to watch Virginia lose to Notre Dame. Oh, my uh, it gosh. Was a, it was a, yeah, real bare bones. That's, uh, that's like, um, I don't even know what that is. That's just like going back yeah. in time. So It was uh, back in time. It was, yeah. it was terrible. All right. Well, we're going to break all this stuff down. Luckily, you had the streaming and the antenna to make that work. Um, <laughs> a lot and just of streaming remember- going on in my house. I'm like, what is Sling? Like, what it, what is Hulu? Like, I don't know what this stuff is. And and back in the day, you'd get cable. I'm sure they didn't need any information. Now you're just you're giving them everything: passwords, location. It's getting scary. I had a rough rough week one direct tv deal and now now the compound is all all off we're not aligned we're offline i think is the best way to describe it we just we got all sorts of issues tvs aren't working but you know we're going to power through this we're going to be good to go i was living in my parents house a month ago as you know um so the, the game watching experience has improved no doubt i'm not i'm not complaining that's right that's right are you in the new pad now nah not in the new pad not in the new pad Okay, so let's uh, let's do this. Here's the game plan for today. We're going to do best, worst flights right off the top. We're going to try to figure out who the third best team in the AFC is because that's way harder than you realize, especially when I looked at it and was like, wait a minute, could I, do I even have the right answer here? We'll go through the NFC teams that Rams lost, the Bucks putting up big points. We've got to do a little on Dallas, New Orleans, and Tom Brady's one of the worst games he's ever had as a professional quarterback. So there's a bunch of stuff that we want to get to, but let's go – we have some story time too, but let's do the uh, the plane ride out of town that was the best. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. It's got to be Tampa, right? You put up fifty five on the Rams. Yeah, we we're, we're 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 speaking the same language. Bruce is up there in first class. Just that was a good game, Jameis. Just whispering, hey, and 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 the exactly. legend of of Arians and the beret. In uh, in Tampa grows. They are a different looking offense, man. That's right, and that's your fantasy guy too. So did you? Yeah, get I mean, spooked? I mean, it was. Yeah, I had a lot of second guessing, and I was wrong. I was wrong about it. I remember the first week on this pod, I I canceled, uh, cancel culture. I canceled Bruce Arians, um, and and I'm back on the bandwagon. But we did not cut ties with Jameis Winston. He's lighting it up on my fantasy team. All right, that's good. That's good. What about uh, worst flight? Um, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm going to say it's New England. Short flight, but everybody offensively, their assholes are puckered <laughs> so tight because I know firsthand what it's like in a bill meeting on a Monday. And 
half the team is going to be pretty relaxed, sitting back with the popcorn, watching the offense get absolutely dug into in front of the entire team. Because Bill is one of the few coaches who still watches the tape first play to last play with everyone in the room. And that is an uncomfortable proposition if you didn't play great. Can you, uh, you put us in that room and, and tell us what that really is like, maybe some specifics? Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's going to be brutal. And he's probably rewinding it the whole time. So how many hours does that take? Well, it's a long meeting. And I think more, I think more coaches should do this. I think there's way too many coaches in the league that – they have their offensive specialty or their defensive specialty. And one thing that makes Bill great is he can coach any position better than the position coaches. Maybe short of Scar uh, on the offensive line there, but he's a legend. So I think in general, it's a lost art being able to coach with nuance and, and, and you know, with detail, the end zone tape, offensively and defensively all the way through. And that room is dark. Everybody's in the room. It's an enormous room, and the tension is palpable, and anybody can get in that room. And uh, you better load up on coffee. You better not look like you're sleeping. You better not look like you're not paying attention. Uh, But chances are you won't be able to fall asleep because you're scared shitless that you're going to be next. Did he ever yell at you? Um, He called like... um, he called a play stupid, I think, which it was. Uh, I, I actually roughed Tyrod Taylor. Coincidentally, you know, um, our Bills game at home, I think it was week three, Jimmy G got hurt in the Miami game, and uh, Jacoby had to come in. And uh, we played bad from a standpoint of the details and lost to Buffalo at home. Um, offense couldn't get it going, but the defense, we had a lot of dumb penalties, and I was one of them. So, uh I got yelled at once for for that and then for missing a sack, but Jamie Collins also um, whiffed on the same play, so misery loves company. Could you ever say, like, hey, don't talk to me like that. You know who my dad is? (laughs) No. No, no, I can't say that. Uh, My dad dad can definitely beat up your dad, though. I mean, you know, in general, that's that's just generally something I'm pretty – I will say, though, Gardner Minshew's dad is pretty – I don't think he can beat my dad up, but the guy's imposing. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I mean, I just wonder if I were a scout, I would worry about Minshew's hips as he as he ages. Like, is this yeah. is this guy gonna fill out like this dude? It's a big cat, bro. Because that's a big, big dude. Yeah, I just I would just think it'd be kind of funny if you would try that once. Be like, hey, Bill, you know, my dad. No, I, I would tell jokes to Bill sometimes. I would try to keep it light with Bill, and he would do that kind of like half smile where. You're not sure if he's laughing or if he's smelling shit, <laughs> but uh, but he actually has a better sense of humor than than um, than people lead on. I think though, yeah, the film room thing is it's really good for a team to hear the head coach break everything down. Everybody's on the same page. Not enough teams do it. Some head coaches don't even bother with the defense or vice versa. So we're looking at a New England team that's four and zero and. I was going through, I think Barnwell had this up today, but if you go through every start Brady's ever had and use this one metric, that's arguably the eighth worst start of his career. Uh, They couldn't move the football against the Bills defense that you now for two weeks have been telling us how good they are. And Brady, of those eight bad games, six of them were before 2007, which is always like this weird kind of thing about Brady and how he's evolved. and, And it wasn't, you know, Mahomes from day one. It wasn't even close. But 
is you stretch it out. Like you asked me this question and I know it's ridiculous a month in to do, Hey, these are what the playoff standings would be right now, but your one and two seeds are Kansas city, new England. The other four AFC playoff teams are Houston, Cleveland, Buffalo, and the Oakland Raiders. No chargers, no Colts, no Titans, even though they had a nice win, no Ravens. Uh, the Steelers are a mess. They'll play tonight. I I think if somebody said, who do you want to bet on being the third best team in the AFC is, I would just be like, you're, you're just going to have to shoot me. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have an answer for you. Because every time I think of one of these teams as an answer, I'm like, wait a minute, that can't be right. Yeah, I mean, um, it's certainly good news for teams like Buffalo. We can get to Buffalo and why they're good, why they're not so good, and what, what we learned from that game yesterday. But there's there's a, a gap for sure, and and uh, it's good news for teams like Buffalo because of the wild card. I mean, the depth in the AFC is just not the same as it's been in, in years past. And I actually think, you know, if you're looking at who the third best team is, it may not be today, but um, I like the Chargers. I st- I'm not giving up on the Chargers. Um, I still love Phillip. Um, I, I, they're getting Melvin back. And, you know, when you talk about Melvin Gordon, he's the perfect guy to help them put that Texans game away. I mean, we, we talked about his, uh, his trade value with Eckler and, and them getting yards on the ground the first couple of weeks and how we perceived his, his value might be going down. But it wasn't the Colts or the Lions games that they needed a Melvin Gordon. It was that game where they're up big um, at home against Houston can't control the clock in the third quarter, can't pound the ball. I think they get them get him back. He adds that dimension for them. And you know, still got the the Chiefs twice. They got the Bears coming up, Packers, but I trust Phillip Rivers. Um, so I trust them to be the third best team. I like that answer. And I normally have a really hard time quitting the Chargers. Um, but but I don't know. I mean, I think uh I think a big part of this weekend, and and I think this is like an awesome thing, but Cleveland being two and two and beating Baltimore with all the stuff, right? All the extra. Cause when you have all that extra stuff and then you don't live up to the expectations everybody has for you, like you're going to get it way worse. And that's who Cleveland is. And it, it's not fair, but it, it, you could have argued, Hey, this is, this is fake. Good. This is fake success. They haven't done anything, blah, 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 you know, Baker and the whole thing. And they get smoked in that first game against Tennessee and now have turned this around a little bit. And and beat a Ravens team that, you know, the first couple of weeks in, people were wondering if that was the best team in their division or is that a team that could be a one or a two seed in the AFC? I mean, it still didn't have anybody ahead of New England and Kansas City. But that win for where this team started and four weeks later feel like they have this thing figured out with some of the changes they've made, that's – I don't think it's a terrible answer to go, hey, you know what, maybe Cleveland is the third best team in the AFC. I don't think it's a terrible answer. I, I think there's so much overreaction, as you know, in the first couple of weeks and – um, you know, Cleveland uh, dead in the water a week ago. Uh, now we could overcorrect and 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 count out uh, the Ravens after the past two weeks or say that Lamar is not there yet. I think the ebb and flow of the season is going to tell us where these guys end up from a development standpoint. But the reason I would say San Diego over these teams is they're good defensively. They got two great rushers, um, and, and they're getting – a central piece to their offense back, and they're not too far in the hole. And I trust Phillip. 
Um, you know, maybe not from a standpoint of um, avoiding implosion in a deep playoff run, but when you're talking about being a top four team in the AFC, it's something they've done year in and year out. I think the cream will rise to the top there. Where did you want? Uh, where did you want to go in the rest of the AFC? Anything else? No. Um, listen, I mean, as, as you mentioned, the AFC is just not real deep right now. There's a lot of games that you're like, hmm, well, it's not that interesting. Hey, I want to ask you about the hit thing because the hit on Josh yeah. Allen, I didn't really understand. Now, this is your first time ever sitting at home watching Twitter react to these hits. What? What do you make of how how everybody just is out of control on Sundays? Yeah, um, listen, I uh, I think we've just reached this point here where we're forgetting that the game is moving very fast and we're seeing everything in super slow motion on HD cameras. And I think people are discounting the bang-bang nature of these plays. Now, with the perfect who the story just broke, he's suspended for the season, there's a track record. I mean, he's literally tried to decapitate people for years now. Mind you, we love watching old highlights. We love watching LT. We love watching, you know, these guys back in the day that would take your head off, you know, Tatum, uh, guys like that. The NFL's built a brand on that. We still love that. But we're saying now the game has changed. So what we're punishing these guys for is not progressing. Um, I, I think Perfect has the track record, so you have to judge him independently. When you see a hit like Jones, you've got Josh Allen, who's 6'5", 6'6". He's, he's lowering his head at the sticks for a key first down on third and eight. And Jones, who's probably not even six feet tall, um, actually lowers his head probably to adjust his angle and make a play. Now, when I say that the intent is not dirty, it's not abhorrent, it wasn't malicious, I had people in my mentions like, nah, fuck him. I said, fuck him, really? Well, you got to at least give me the fact that he hit him in the head. Nobody's disputing that. He'll probably be fine. Um, But I'm not ready to make an intent judgment on a hit like that at all. Um, It's a key play in the game. Allen's a runner. And he's basically a tight end stretching out for the sticks. He's not defenseless. Uh, But we've come to this point where we... We overcorrect and overreact a lot. There are hits we want to get out of our game. We know which ones those are. But let's not conflate um, the intent with the fact that sometimes it's hard to hit people accurately. Like, if you told me to hit somebody on their belt line, that's a really hard place for me to hit at full speed with the angles uh, taken into account. So uh, I didn't think the Jones hit was a big deal. Yeah, I... uh... I, I, after the game and, and some of the Bills players are like, oh, if we had done that to Brady, if we had done this, you know, I, I think it's just we all need to sit back and go, hey, the NFL doesn't want these hits in there. And sometimes they're going to go f- throw flags that seem excessive. And then sometimes they're just going to miss some too. And it's okay. Like it's not ideal. It's not, hey, we want to miss a bunch of calls this week. But you're right. I, the, especially when it's the, the secondary and the guy already has the offensive player teed up, lined up, ready to get him. And, then the guy lowers his head, and then it looks like it's this vicious on purpose hit. And more often than not, I don't, I don't think these guys want to do this. I, I don't think you guys well, are out there wanting to hurt your or hurt each other. You know, I mean, I know well, that sounds naive, but no, I mean, I think there's a certain element of guys wanting to. I mean, we we want to hit people really fucking hard, but at the same time, 
we care about the consciousness that's arose when it comes to CTE concussions. And, um, you're certainly not trying to headhunt anyone. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think there's this still this double standard when it comes to offense and defense. I mean, you looked at that that hit the tackle from the Bucks put on Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters got absolutely drilled right in the side of the head, and uh, it was as bad as any hit we saw on Sunday, uh, save for the Burfick hit. Um, and nobody gave a shit. In fact, people were the same people I saw in my timeline earlier who were you know grandstanding for um, player safety and using you know Jones Jones's hit on Allen or. Um, you know, the perfect hit, which was bad, are like, look at this guy. Look at this O-lineman level, Marcus Peters. I mean, he just he he just gave him a concussion, you know, and, and the play was, I mean, Peters is crossing the goal line, and he completely hits him in the side of the head, but there's this double standard. It's like the same thing when you see a running back lower his, his shoulders and, and, uh, and, and his helmet goes parallel to the ground, and nobody cares. So I think they need to work on that in general and just try to be consistent. I know that's hard, but um, the consistency is the key. I think you'd have less people pissed off. The game itself, um, if, if we wanted to just finish that one up there and kind of compare it to some of the other things, because I think what we're learning now a month in, and um, this, is not, this is not new. I, I hate when people be like, hey, all the teams are flawed. Be like, yeah, because there's, really, there's rarely ever these perfect teams that are at the top of both offensive and defensive rankings. It doesn't really happen that much anymore. But New England's got some O-line problems. They're not able to run it. We mentioned Brady and that defense. It feels like even the best teams one month in were staring down some major flaw. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at that game. I mean, New England has historically not played great in Buffalo, even though they they haven't lost since 11. Um, and Brady's numbers, as you mentioned, haven't been great against the Bills. But he was out of sync yesterday. And... Um, you know they couldn't get the run game going. They're they're bottom third in the lead in the league in yards per carries on the on the year. Um, you know Brady goes for one fifty and three point eight per completion, but he really hit two plays. That's all it was. I mean it was a James White um, down the sideline uh, man coverage with a linebacker, and then Josh Gordon a bunch of yards after the catch down into the red zone. So I mean that's fifty plus yards on those two catches combined. He's under 100, 18 for 39. His rating's below 50. Um, you know, doesn't doesn't throw a touchdown, bad pick in the red zone, very uncharacteristic of him. And, you know, the way they're not getting into sync, I really think it's more Devlin and Gronk than it is Wynn and Andrews. Um, I know the O-line problems are an issue, but they've had those before. They've had games early in the season, like Tampa, I believe it was a year or two ago, where they... You're, you're looking at him, you're like, how are the Bucks beating the shit out of Tom Brady? Is, is, is this done for them? I think the difference is now, you know, they, they tried to use the fullback yesterday. They didn't use as much as they had the rest, the rest of the season. Devlin's out. The run game's getting interesting uh, because that's something they leaned on late last year. And they don't have Gronk. They can't get in heavy packages. They can't do the play-action pass stuff, create, create mismatches. So uh, I'm a little bit worried about the Pats' offense. I'm not in panic mode because they always have these games, and Bill always talks about there's two seasons. The first half of the season is 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 less relevant, and the real season starts uh, late in October and November. So I, I don't think the panic button is the way to go yet, but the fact they can't get the run game going, 
seven three and outs yesterday. He had to burn a bunch of balls. I mean, screens, you know, off, off target all day. So uh, an, an interesting day. Uh, but we should be talking about Buffalo as well. Yeah, the defense has been, you know, something you were on very early. And you know, here we are. We're looking at a, a three and one team that competed against maybe the best team in the AFC. If it's not Kansas City, um, you know, we have that moment in that game where it feels like Stafford's going to have this throw and it's like, man, they're going to beat the Chiefs. And then Mahomes is like, doop, doop, nope, like that's not happening. And so, you know, I don't think that was really that surprising. I think that the crazy thing is, is we just expect that Mahomes is going to be able to do that whenever he wants because that's like the standard this guy's at right now. Right, right. And he missed a few, he, he missed a few throws yesterday. And I think that's, when you look at that game, if you're talking about weaknesses, um, certainly it's not the offense in Kansas City. I think their weaknesses are more the secondary um, and, and the pass rush. I mean, their pressure rate is down almost 10 points. Frank Clark, who I was really excited about, hasn't quite come on yet. Um, you know, Houston's gone. D Ford's gone. Maybe they underappreciated those guys. Um, they got three new starters in the secondary. So I think the Chiefs more, more often... Uh, you know, that defense is going to be the topic of conversation. They don't have to worry about stopping the run because nobody has to run the ball on them. They're, they're always playing catch-up uh, when people are playing the Chiefs. So um, at the end of the day, Mahomes hits five or six of those deep throws that he missed. That game's a completely different game, and we're saying, um, you know, wow, this team is the class of the AFC right now. He actually, and that was one of the things, I think it was the pro football focus with the grading came out and I was looking at the email, you know, I get it sent to me every week and watching these games, I was like, yeah, there are a couple of things where he's, he's missing and they graded him down for that. They had him behind all these other people. And then it turned into like, wait a minute, is he really the fifth best quarterback? Like, no, no, that's not the point. The point is, is that if you're watching every chief's play, you could see that there's a few things that he's missing there, but on the defense, you know, whether it's Houston, um, moving on or, Right, they let D Ford bounce. I'm with you. Whenever I looked at those sack numbers, you'd had to remember. Well, wait a minute. Like everybody's dropping back against them every single time because mm -hmm. of what the score is. So, did they really lose two premier edge rushers? Did they lose two guys that were good but had a million opportunities to get some stats? Well, I think you'd have to look at this year compared to last year. Like, hey, listen, are their leads similar? Are they are they controlling the ball? And uh, are they making teams play catch up through the first four games? I mean, I would I would assume they've still had a lead this season um, at a similar uh, click as they did last year. Um, but the numbers are down from a pass rush standpoint. So they really need Frank to come on and they need somebody to emerge opposite Frank. I mean, you know, they have Chris Jones inside, but, um, you know, you look at duos in in the league, and and uh, a lot of these teams, one pass rusher is not enough. Uh, you know, you, you see Chubb and Von Miller uh, in Denver. You see um, the guys in San Diego, and now I think in Dallas, you add uh, Robert Quinn to uh, Demarcus Lawrence, and you have a duo there that's going to be formidable down the stretch. By the way, they stole him for a six round pick, and we'll get to that. But um, in general. You need somebody to step up opposite opposite Frank Clark. It's really hard to do it alone, and 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 you will, I think, at some point, have to confront the reality that their defense is uh, is is a bit of a liability, and they have a new system. So we'll see. Uh, incomplete 
uh, when, when it comes to evaluating their defense, but I do think it will rear its ugly head at some point this year. You mentioned um, the Dallas-New Orleans game. That one is not what we expected, although you know maybe it's just with Bridgewater. We know it's not going to be Breeze, but we're so used to Dak lighting it up, and then they score only 10 points. What did you see in that one? Was there anything that scared you? Um, I think what scares me about Dallas is their inability to get pressure. I just, uh, you know, I mentioned um, Robert Quinn being a huge addition, and I think his his acquisition for a six rounder is highway robbery, and that trade will will turn out to be just as impactful defensively as the Cooper trade did. Um, you know, pan out to be Whoa. on offense last year. I, I really do. Um, That's lofty. And they're gonna have they're gonna have to win games. Well, Rob Quinn. I mean, people forget about Rob. You know, Rob played in obscurity uh, in St. Louis, and you know he's had a 19 sack season. You know, he had 30 plus over three years, 40 plus over four years. Um, he's a stud, and he went down to he went down to Miami after a couple of back surgeries, and just wasn't the same. And well, it wasn't a couple back surgery. I believe it was just one. But people were kind of like, ah, he's older. He's getting, he's getting to be on the wrong side of thirty here coming up. Um, not quite the same player, but also a guy who's incredibly bendy and explosive. And playing on turf is a big deal. He's back in Dallas. Crowd noise, turf. He can really bend that inside knee. He's gonna have a really big year. What I worry about with Dallas is them not being able to get the run game going. Um, you know, last night they were pretty abysmal on the ground, and that's un- uncharacteristic of them and their offensive line. They struggled to sort games last night in protection. Dak got hit a lot. Um, and at the end of the day, you can see why everything's predicated um, on them running the football with Dak in that offense. So they, they've got to shore that up. But Zeke might be out of shape still a little bit. Zeke might not be seeing the field well. It's like preseason for him still. I mean, he just got off a flight from Cabo like a, a month ago. Yeah, but if you go to Cabo and you just relax, you know, <laughs> you can. Yeah. I did a relaxing Cabo trip. Yeah, right? and and ironically, you guys probably both flew Southwest back. I couldn't believe that, you know, he he rushed back to sign his his huge deal and, and he was just walking through the airport with like paparazzi chasing him like, dude, get a PJ. Maybe that's where, maybe his head's, you know, he's like, look, I, private jet, private aviation's great, but. You know, you get that bill. <laughs> lunch lunch pail guy. I mean, I, 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 I'm not worried about the what happened to Dallas last night. Does not concern me down down the line for them. They were really they were missing Gallup, um, and I think at the end of the day, you look at them last year in that game against New Orleans. What was the final score of that game? Thirteen ten. Um, the one thing I worry about them with though is 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 this phenomenon where the rush game just kind of disappears and it happened in the playoffs to them last year. It's the last time they had under 50 yards rushing. They had 45 last night. They had under 50 against the Rams and, and, uh, and they ran into a brick wall. Okay. Irresponsible question of the week. You ready? Let's get irresponsible. Would you rather have Haskins than cousins? Hmm. With, I don't like watching Cousins right play now? football. Yeah. Huh? I don't like watching Cousins play. I don't I think the it. Vikings do either. I mean, this is one thing I was really wrong about. I was really high on them. And I said, I think I said something to the effect of whatever you know about Kirk Cousins, just it goes out the window, you know, 
that that Kubiak system, the the zone the zone run, um, you know, moving the pocket, it just hasn't. You know, when Dalvin Cook can't run, can't pick up yards on the ground, he has to win a game for them, and and you don't see he's one of the worst under pressure in the league, and so I was wrong. What what drives me nuts, and I don't know if I'm right when I'm watching this, Chris, or if I'm if I'm wrong, but like I look at Goff yesterday. And they're trying, he's trying, right? He's got his three picks, but he's out there going, all right, you know, I got to let it fly here a little bit. We're down two scores. And, you know, as I've, I've talked about quarterbacks and going, I kind of give up and I don't know who's good anymore. And everybody's numbers are way better than they used to be in completion percentage and all these different things. And then I used to think no picks was the best. And then I realized if it was no picks, that meant you were never trying to do anything. And, uh, I'll, I'll watch golf and be like, okay, this guy's trying to get them back into this game. And I'd watch cousins yesterday and go, I, what, what is he concerned with here? Completion percentage? Like what, yeah. what part of him? I don't know if I'm off base on that. I don't know if it's just another amazing no. day against a great defense in the Chicago defense, but that's when I was walking, watching cousins, I'm, I'm sitting there really frustrated going, well, I guess I don't really care, but I just, <laughs> I could, you know, there's just throws where you're going, what is the point of this one? And that's that's what yeah. it feels like too often with him. I mean, I think at this point, there's enough sample size of, you know, we've seen who Kirk Cousins is to start to wonder if this is truly who he is. And I know some people are going to say, well, I knew who he was in Washington. You're late on this. Maybe I am. Maybe I thought that, you know, him having probably the best roster off the bus, top to bottom, in the NFC North um, would make a difference. Bringing in Kubiak, taking the pressure off him with Dalvin Cook healthy, uh, he's still got to win games. And I think if you look at Minnesota and L.A. when you're talking about weaknesses, those are two teams that have similar themes going on right now. Um, They're quarterbacks that and I, and I would take golf in a heartbeat over Cousins, but they're quarterbacks who are running systems that are predicated on the run game getting going. And yesterday was an example of when in Minnesota they can't get it going. And more weeks than not, Dalvin Cook will be able to pass the century mark um, with relative ease if they commit to running the football. But when you play teams like the Bears, and there aren't many, but in the playoffs, um, that margin for error gets smaller. In LA, you know, everything was predicated on play action and that zone stuff. And their run game has not been able to get going. And that's what's concerning in LA. You know, throwing the ball 60 times for Jared Goff, it's not sustainable. When you talk to Tampa Bay, you know, they they talk about their game plan was to force Goff to beat them, stop the run. And that's something they've done well defensively in, in Tampa. And and golf moved the ball a lot, but eventually he had enough bad misses and he wasn't seeing things underneath in coverage through a couple picks. 60 is not sustainable for him. That's not a number you want to be at. No, it's a really good point. And I hate doing this because I know he's your guy. But when I watch Gurley, I, I mean, people that are holding out hope like, oh, it's fine. They're just using him this way. They're limiting him. He's he's not the same guy. And it And it sucks to say that at 25 years old, but I'm – and you know what I do sometimes? Well, I'll watch guys that I wonder where they're at health-wise. I'll watch them after the play. I'll watch them how they get up. I'll watch how they walk back. And, you know, he's five for 16 yards 
yesterday. Yeah. And that's after yeah. not cracking. I mean, he had 97 in the first one. Everybody said he was back. He had a bunch of catches yesterday. So that's, you know, a little different. But for a guy that you go, okay, he's the number one running back in the NFL. And I'm, I'm, it bothers, it bothers me because I think it's pretty obvious that he just doesn't look like he's ever going to be that guy. I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I, you worry about Todd's knee. You, you, you certainly do. But there's a couple of factors that come into play here. Historically, um, the Rams, even when health wasn't as much of an issue for Todd, have gone away from the run game a little bit. And, you know, that's something that these new coaches who are really offensively inclined tend to do. I mean, the Atlanta playoff game, I think it was in 17 um, when Atlanta beat them. And then we had to buy and then they came and played us and we beat them. Um, the Rams really went away from that run game, and uh, it burned them. And then down the stretch last year, they sure could have used him. I don't know if it was health or what it was. But, you know, last week when the Bucks played the Giants, um, I was watching Saquon Barkley before he got hurt, and uh, I had a rooting interest because I took Saquon Barkley to rush for over 80 yards, and that was really stupid, and I lost money on that. But... Um, they shut Saquon down. I mean, there was nothing going on the ground, and I think that's a credit to Tampa. Also a credit to Tampa being up 21 nothing in the second. Uh, so, so yeah, the girly thing is a poignant conversation, but I just don't think yesterday alone is is kind of the uh, the example to to cherry pick and and say, well, this is this is why uh, it it looks bleak in the future for them uh, in the run game. A culmination of factors not not committing to it, worries about his health. Um, I think they miss Roger Saffold, uh, who, who left for Tennessee up front. The entire thing's predicated on that run game, and I'm worried that if you're going to force Jared Goff to beat you, he's not going to beat you too many times against good football teams. No, it's a good point off of the Tampa thing the week before. So because of that, I guess I will wait it out. Would you rather be then the Bears and their offensive problems? They lost Trubisky to an injury. Chase Daniel comes in. They get the win. The defense is great again. Um, this L.A. Rams thing, you could kind of see it coming. You know, you, you'd be mm. watching the games, and it was kind of funny the way they were talked about out here. You know, on 710 Radio, they'd be like, all right, they're undefeated, but do you really feel great about them? And that's, you know, because it's a team coming off a Super Bowl appearance, and I didn't feel great about them, but they were still winning games. So to see them give up that many points to Jameis, like that's a lot, but to have them lose a game where they didn't look great or Goff didn't look good, like, okay, they're 3-1, and one, not the end of the world. Who would you rather have as far as – their flaw la's flaw I'd with probably, the uncertainty I'd, yeah i'd probably ra i'd probably rather have the bears and you were on this last week about la and you were like i'm i'm worried about them and i said i kind of shrugged that off i'm i'm i am worried about la um but i'm kind of worried about them um, it's not golf we knew golf has been a middle of the pack quarterback and that's not a slight there's a lot of great quarterbacks in the league um but at the end of the day, if, if you can't run the football, it's too much on his shoulders. Same thing in Chicago. I'd like to see them commit to the run game a little bit more. Take pressure off. I guess it's going to be Chase Daniel, who outdueled Cousins yesterday. It was like a, it's like a duel on horse tranquilizers. But um, I, I think Daniel had three attempts over 15 yards, but he was accurate. Uh, defensively, they were missing Smith and Hicks. I would rather be the Bears. Their, their defense, I mean, they played with energy, man. And it wasn't like they had a lot of lead time knowing they were going to have to win a game with Chase Daniel under center, although some people would now at this point say, well, Chase Daniel looked pretty good. I'm not ready to to call that a, co a quarterback controversy, but um, 
I love their defense. They, they they were missing a few key guys yesterday, and they shut down completely. Shut down an NFL offense, which included uh, Dalvin Cook in a big divisional matchup. That's going to win you more games down the stretch than making Jared Goff throw the ball forty five to sixty times in a game. And uh, it doesn't look like LA has much of a defense either at this point uh, when it comes to keeping the points down. Because as you look closer at their games, uh, they got lit up a little bit a little bit against Carolina. Um, and, and they, they haven't been consistent. How brutal is it when you're out there and it just, you're like, they're going to score every time against us. I mean, I, I know that really well. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny cause I was looking at a stat and the, and the Rams had, this was like the third most, um, points they'd ever given up, uh, in, in franchise history. I, I guarantee you I was on the field for the first two. <laughs> uh, I, it, it's ugly. I mean, you, you, you feel really small and it, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots in the second half, we couldn't get a stop to save our lives. And uh, that can really put a lot of pressure on um, on the offense. And that's that's why, listen, when your defense is giving up 54 points, you can't really make a complete assessment of the offense and vice versa. It's, it's the reason why I think Chicago's defense is better than the Patriots' defense. Um, not only have they played better teams um, offensively, but the complementary football aspect of it which is just the continuity of knowing we're not turning the ball over. We're going to possess the football. Um, you know, we've got Tom Brady. Uh, at least we're going to be productive on offense. Whereas in Chicago so far, you just don't know. And for them to still look this good, it really puts defenses under stress when the offense isn't moving the ball or productive or hanging on to it. So that's why I think Chicago's defense is better than New England's uh, as a sidebar. Let's do a little story time. Um, we have brought hip hop artist Mike Jones back into the consciousness of people after last week. Did he ever segment. leave? I feel like he did a little bit because people needed to be, I don't know, I don't want to say awakened, but maybe reminded. Yeah. And they so I went back woke. and listened to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's good. It's <laughs> good start to finish. So Still people good. were hitting us up. Yeah, I was reading about him. I was trying to figure out if he's going to get his cell phone number back, all that stuff. And then uh, out of nowhere, people are like, hey, do you know that Mike Jones is playing down the street from your house Friday night? Hmm. And so I was like, I have to, I have to do this. And then I realized, you know what? I don't know if I do want to do this. So <laughs> I was home and it was late. And one of my buddies was there and he goes, he still hasn't gone on yet, dude. I'm like, are you serious? I go, I'd already ruled it out. Like I wasn't going to go. He goes, come on, you have to do this. You have to do this. So we went. And Mike Jones is not going to give in to the crowd because he didn't play any of the hits. Oh, you love it when you love it when an artist is is uh is confident enough to roll out their new stuff when everybody wants the old stuff. Yeah, I wanted I wanted screwed at, I wanted, you know, flossing, I wanted it all, right? Um Mike Jones, and that's what I want. <laughs> I want some Flossin. He didn't play Flossin? I may have missed it. I may He may have been a song in by the time I showed you up. You may have called me at 6.30 a.m. East Coast time on the phone. No, it was actually 9.30 a.m. East Coast time. I'm sorry. Um, yes. And we had yes. a full conversation. I was yeah. helping my children with breakfast. No, it was a good show. It was a very good show. So <laughs> Show went late. Show went show late. Show went real late. 
real late. And so the funny thing is, is my buddy was like, hey, do you want to meet him? And I go, okay, but I know you don't know him. Like you're just a, and this is kind of the, the whole protocol, right? And I yeah. go, okay, so you don't, you don't know him. And yeah, I did kind of come down here and maybe we'll try to get him on the podcast at some point. And so my friend just like went up to the manager and was trying to like explain to him who I was, which again, you know, I, Hey, check this guy out. He's got this podcast. And then I just say, Hey, look, man, I go, it's, it's me. It's my friend, Chris Long. And we were talking about Mike Jones and it was unbelievable. You guys are here this week and you know, we'd love to maybe try to figure something out and have him on if that would help. And he was like, yeah, no, no problem. No problem. But what it led me to, that's not really the story. The story is more about the, well, the story rules. was you name drop me, which is not a it's not a strong name drop. Yeah, to, but I was trying to, to explain it. I was trying to explain it in a way like normally I wouldn't name drop you, but I I figured there was a good chance he didn't know who the hell I was. So I thought All I don't right, think well, Mike Chris- Jones knows who I am either. <laughs> <laughs> so my guess um, is going to be my guess is going to be no, he doesn't. Um, no. So here here's the question though. How do you handle, or did you have to learn? Because I had to sort of learn, like, just because you had a guy on the show and you interviewed him for eight minutes, it doesn't mean you're going to be boys now the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, for me, I never had a show, right? So I'd play people on the field and I'd run into buddies, like, wherever. But the problem is, like, a lot of times as football players, we're a little bit different. Like, if a basketball player wants to walk up and talk to somebody, like, you could be you know, the third guy off the bench on the Rockets and most people know who you are and what you look like. Um, but as football players, if you don't play in a big market, if you don't play a big position um, and, you know, people don't watch the game closely, you have a helmet on. So for me, I just assume usually nobody knows who the fuck I am, which is a good assumption. Um, but I've uh, I've had some some missteps where I've <laughs> where I've overextended myself. Uh, I, the problem is I, I'm, I'm way too regular. And so for me, I'm like, well, this dude probably thinks he's regular too. Like, it's not a big deal. Like if I see somebody in passing, I'm going to say, what's up? You know, I'm not going to bother people. I'm not going to fanboy over shit, but, um, you know, you know, the, the Javal McGee story, right? No. Which one was that? (laughs) Uh, where were you? Javal McGee was, well, I was at supper club in LA, which is a nightclub. I don't do nightclubs a lot anymore, but I used to do nightclubs. And uh, I had had a few too many um, Patrons. And, you know, I this was back in my gung-ho fantasy basketball days, which, by the way, I still play. You need to help me draft my team again. Uh, and I ran into Javal McGee, who had been getting buckets for me. I, don't, I wouldn't say I ran into him because as I was walking by, I extended my hand for the dap you know, drunkenly just in a hallway, like probably on the way to the bathroom. And I was like, Javal McGee getting buckets <laughs> for my team. And, uh, and just dap, you know, hollow man dap. Nobody on the other end. He just, he just walked by me like I was, uh, you know, like I wasn't there. And, uh, I learned my lesson then like, just don't assume anybody knows who the fuck you are. It's not that I was assuming that he knew who I was. I just assumed that he cared about, you know, people who owned him in fantasy, which is also a mistake. Yeah, I don't think he would he would have cared about that. And he's a, he's a tough one to figure cuz I don't I don't know if he'd know who you were, right? He he wouldn't. 
He wouldn't. And again, that's the thing. It's like that's the lesson, you know. And this this is when I was a uh, I was a dog, but you know, even at my peak, there was there was no there's no name recognition. There's definitely no facial recognition. I think he just thought I was like. I get Fastbender a lot. He probably thought I was Fastbender and he hadn't watched a lot of his movies. Yeah, it's probably it's probably a Fastbender thing. Totally. <laughs> it was a Fastbender um, mix up. He didn't like Yeah, I used to do that when I was younger. Him. When I was younger, I didn't I you know, it just it took like a year or two where I go, "Hey, yeah, this isn't like a lot of these dudes, they're not connecting with you." And you, you're by the way, you're a lot older than a lot of these guys are still like take yeah. it easy. And you know, we had Dwayne <laughs> Bow on before the national title game in new orleans and you know lsu receiver had a nice career we were talking about watches because he was he was checking out mine i was checking out his we were talking it up and you know lsu guy dapped it up all good and then three <laughs> weeks later it up, I, talking about watches yeah talking about watches talking about you know lsu and baton rouge the whole deal g-shocks g-shock yeah I'd be like man the g-shocks just they're not making them the same anymore um they just don't, either that or we got older <laughs> So then I saw him three weeks or so later, and he was with, he may have been talking to Ray Lewis, and I went, hey, man, what's up? And he was like, motherfucker, step back. <laughs> like, he didn't say that, but that was that was the look on his face. That was the vibe. Like, it was like, Bro, are you it- fucking high, son? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. You know, like it just wasn't it wasn't uh, media availability time for him. <laughs> the one the one that was bad for me was, and this is somebody who I've busted his balls about. Uh, this was uh, Marcellus Wiley, who's the coolest dude ever. But he, I saw him at, a, at the bar. I think it was at the ESPYS or something. And I was talking to Gary Sheffield, which was a big victory for me. Was Gary Sheffield knew who I was, so I was very excited about that. And then Marcellus comes up and he's talking to Gary because they know each other. And he called me Kyle at least seven times. And, you know, Gary and me are just going along with it. Uh, I, I've, I've definitely gotten called Howie and Kyle a good deal. Um, so so not only have I been absolutely big time by Javal McGee, but uh, I get the Kyle treatment a lot. In yeah, front of Kyle Gary Sheffield. I- Gary Sheffield, I remember that night because he was he was in the lobby and he, um, I think he's a, a a big time consumer of of sports talk. So well, listen, I, you don't you just there's first rule of Fight Club, you don't embarrass me in front of Gary Sheffield. I know I wasn't going to do that. Is that what you thought I was doing? No, I know. Well, Marcellus did, but we talked it out. Oh, Marcellus, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, Mar- Marcellus, that actually makes sense. I'm um, trying to think of another one. Oh, we went to go see Rick Ross, and this one wasn't great. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. Sterling Sharp, who I don't know if you've ever met him. He couldn't be nicer to me in the two times that I've dealt with him, um, and he was he was really, really cool. And we were standing up front, and he was with Warren Sapp, and he they had like a magnum of Belvedere. Seriously, I'm not even saying that because they're the sponsor. And Sterling yeah. looked at me. Well, that just worked like, out. Yeah, Sterling just looked at me and was like, here you go. And then Sap got like <laughs> pissed just because I was standing there. And then a guy came over to say hi to me. And Sap was like yelling at the guy. And I was just like, I got, I was just like, I don't know what to do here right now. And then I told Warren, I was like, no, hey, I met you. I was at the St. Jude's charity thing. He's like, I've never met you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, never met no, we you. definitely. 
we met you hosted the floor. No, nah, but as soon as he says he hasn't met you, you just accept that as gospel and move on. Or you could have name dropped me like you did to Mike Jones. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't yeah. really buddies then, but it was a, I tried to like go, no, 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 dude, we we've met. I do know you, you know me. I, I don't know you. And I was like, okay, all right. And I was like, no problem. We're good. It happens so to I the best of us. I wasn't trying to talk him into it. Um, but that's, that's the thing is you just have to understand. And the lesson for those listening right now is that the self-awareness thing is a, is a really great, great thing to have where you start to go. Oh hey, yeah. Cause it happens. You know, it happens to people on radio and TV and in sports. Like I know buddies, I've seen plenty of teammates that geeked out, you know, because somebody was there. Like you should have seen these guys on the Eagles when Kobe came to talk to the team and Kobe couldn't have been nicer to everybody. Um, but guys were acting like teenagers, man. And I'm just watching. I'm like, don't get embarrassed. Don't get embarrassed. Alcohol's the thing that 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 messes it up for everybody, though. You know, and right, it messes because up you start thinking, too. Right. You'll think like, oh, hey, this guy will definitely want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. And fans don't and fans and players alike, I guess, when you fanboy out, you know, and, and meet somebody, um, they don't know when to exit. That's that's the biggest that's the that's number one rule of 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 fan fight club is just know when the conversation is over if there's a if there's a if you got nothing else to talk about just keep it moving you know like do you do you expect to become new friends with that player i don't expect to become new friends with javal mcgee i just wanted to tell him he he he'd been doing great on my fantasy team he didn't give a shit and i knew it was time to move on Fans can yeah, take a page from our book. That's always the fascinating thing about um, about Van Pelt is that if we've been out, and you know, it's been years since I've I've gone out, gone out with him, um, based on schedules, moving him, having three kids. Uh, but if people come up to talk to him, he would he would talk to him the entire time. So they could, if they yeah. had two hours, if they had two hours of of content, he would be there for it, and I would just be like, yep. dude you know, you got to tell that guy to bounce, man. Like we all want to, well, you need out. friends. You need friends that can swoop in. You yeah, know, I would try. Like a, I would try a safe word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apple. Apple. Um, Apple, Apple, uh, Gardner Minshew. Um, I, I did, um, on a random note, I saw Ad Astra this weekend. Oh yeah, that's right. You wanted me to do a movie review, but I didn't, I didn't have time with football this weekend but. yeah i mean you're so busy right now um hanging out with mike jones man i've never seen a movie that was so close to being good i'm not going to spoil anything uh a movie that was so close to being really really good but wasn't really brad pitt was remarkable yeah brad pitt was brad pitt so acting wasn't the issue and this isn't a spoiler they were narration heavy and some of the dialogue was really heavy-handed. I don't know how you feel about heavy-handed dialogue. I like my plot peeled back like an onion. I don't know how, how you write your screenplays, Ryan. I just try to, um, you know, I want it to feel real. That's, that's, that's my thing. But like, would that sound like something somebody would say? Okay. Yeah. Then, then it didn't fine. sound real. And, of course, I don't know what real is like in the future, but another detail in that movie that's not a spoiler that absolutely sucked uh was that 
Brad Pitt drove a car to the airport to get on a commercial flight to the moon. Like, that's not happening. Like, by the time we have... Brad Pitt drove in a motor vehicle, like a standard car, not a flying car, not a floating car. There was no underground railroad system where, like, the train's, like, fucking hovering. You know how you picture, like, 2060 being to the airport to board a commercial flight to Mars. Huge oversight. Details like that really bother me. So I would say definitely worth a worth seeing visually. It's 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 a masterpiece, and there were some cool themes. And I look forward to your review. My review was that I love space movies, and I couldn't quite get behind this one. I do like a good space movie. But are you one of those guys though that hates Inception? Or excuse me, not Inception, Interstellar. No, I love Interstellar. Interstellar is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I like. Wasn't it too. as high on The Martian. The Martian's like a Disney movie. I read the book The Martian, Matt, and it's Matt one of the Damon. first. Yeah, Matt Damon. Um, Matt Damon. I had I had read the book because I was just trying to do something different, right? I've never read any science fiction before, although I'm reading a science fiction novel right now, which is started off and is really cool, and it's not usually what I'm into. But The Martian, I mean, the guy that wrote the book, all of it was based on like the science of trying to stay alive up there. So he was like legitimately a botanist who was a brilliant guy, but. I think even he would admit that a lot of his jokes were pretty corny and they were corny in the book and they weren't real funny. And then they just basically took those and made Matt Damon that guy. And the the humor part of it, I was like, these are just, you know, like when you make the threes company joke in 2017, like, all right, yeah, we get it. We're mis- misunderstanding and, you know, everything happens at the end. Guy ate a ton of potatoes, though. Tons of potatoes. Tons of starches, but if you're solo on Mars, I'm having a panic attack. Like, the f- the mental fortitude of just hanging out in your little fucking greenhouse. Like, it had to be way grittier than that. This dude was just way too even killed. I know astronauts are just, are otherworldly, but um, yeah, I wasn't buying it. So, Interstellar over the Martian um, with Ad Astra somewhere in between in my book. Oh wow! So you have it above. You have it above the Martian. Okay, yeah, I, because I have a it was it was so it was such a tease. Like I was sitting there, like blown away at some portions. It really got good when he started to go to Neptune. That's all I'll say. Oh, okay, Neptune in the mix. Ah. yeah, Neptune is definitely in the mix. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of going down the space movie rabbit hole, which 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 is enjoyable. Uh, but we did we I don't think we've given enough credit to Sean Payton. I, I think we talked about all these games and we talked about Dallas and, you know, hey, what about Dallas? This How about the team that's been in it every year, uh, the Saints losing a generational quarterback two weeks ago, having the Rams on the road, the Seahawks on the road, and then the Cowboys at home. If I'd have told you they'd be 2-1 and one coming out of that and lose Drew Brees early in that game in L.A., what would you have said? Yeah, no way. And, and especially when you think about how the Cowboys have been playing and then you still feel like having to go up to Seattle, although that was such a ugly Seattle game from them where it, it made me kind of go, wait a minute, you know, Seattle's usually... Well, when like they're missing to's. that piece in the run game, they look different, don't they? Yeah, and it's, you know, they're they're a little bit like your Chargers call earlier where I feel like there's just teams that they never give up on or I always expect to be kind of good. 
and maybe yeah. sneak into the playoffs. And Seattle's always that team for me. Like there'll be times where I'm like, no, nope, this guy. I mean, I think I was even arguing Russell Wilson for MVP two years ago, you know? So um, I don't know what the Seattle one means. I mean, and that's kind of where we're in this this stretch of what do these wins mean? Well, if Dallas is lighting everybody up offensively and you hold them to 10 points, I think that might be the great thing with this New Orleans team is that, yeah, Teddy is a significant drop off to Drew, but the Saints. But their defense another- is going to have to learn to win games. And yeah, and they right. did. They, you know, they've, they've flashed before, but nothing can, you know, can sharpen a defense like having their backs against the wall and knowing that the margin for error is very small. A lot of times you play better as a defense with a backup quarterback. Now, obviously, we talked about, you know, that complimentary football aspect of it. It's a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, you'd rather have Drew out there lighting it up and, um, you know, possessing the football, which they did. Um, they, they possessed the football well, 36 minutes last night. Um, but I wasn't sure what Kamara would do. Kamara has been good the last two weeks. He went for 89 last night, kept moving the chains late. Um, and Zeke, who has more around him, accomplished less. You know, Thomas was targeted nine times, nine catches. Sean Payton just found like different ways to win with this team and Bridgewater. Like we all love Teddy. He's not a, he's not a franchise quarterback. And that's no disrespect to him, but Sean Payton's been able to to manage him. And uh, I'm just, I'm blown away. Like, you know, before this started, I doubted that they'd get out of this thing in a position where Drew could come back and they'd have home field and this, that, and the third. But it's not out of the question. I mean, the rest of their season, they have two more teams with winning records that they got to play. That's the Bears and the Niners. So, I mean, like, it's all there for them. The question is, when Drew comes back, is he truly healthy or is he like NFL healthy where they say 68 weeks and you come back and you're not quite there? So we'll see. I, I don't know what the implications are, but I, I think that if they keep winning, um, the sky's still the limit for them. Yeah, you point out the rest of that schedule, um, but you had that injury. Did we already talk about this injury with you? Which one? When you had it? Because that's a really good point. Oh, yeah. Like healthy I, or NFL healthy. So, what you know. Yeah. No, I mean, like, you could probably, have you had any surgeries? I'm I'm not even being a dick. No, I just, I've declined. Every time I've had to have something, I just said, is it mandatory? And they're like, no. Yeah. I was like, okay, not doing it. Like when I broke my finger, I got that hammer finger thing and that celebrity. Oh, the hammer finger, football. huh? Yeah. Yeah. You got the hammer freak- finger thing? Yeah. Richie, John, I think John Richie was like, oh, this hammer finger. I was like, what? What's that? He's like, hand- your fingertip shattered. And I was like, is it? And then I, I went in, and that was after I asked out Meghan Markle. Um, you asked her out? No, no, it's a joke. Uh, there, there may have been a DM, but then I don't know what happened to her. Um, oh my god, <laughs> you DM Meghan Markle? Okay, this is a whole another. I want to go down this this rabbit hole too, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Drew's. No, we were hold teammates. What you, and I you were say? teammates, and we got along, oh. and it was like, hey, uh-huh. you know, you ever want to come on the show and talk about your show, Suits? She was like, oh, she's like, what's your show about? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you were like, sports, yeah, I played but... a lot of pickup basketball. I declined yeah. surgeries unless they're declined absolutely surgeries. necessary. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went in, no, when I, I got an X-ray in the finger. They were like, hey, it's basically like stitching a, a eggshell back together. Like we could maybe do it, but it's probably not going to work. 
So I go, so you have to cut my finger open and then try to sew these shattered bones back together? He's like, yeah. I go, I'm out. No thanks. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, surgery doesn't always make sense. And in the NFL, it makes more sense because you're trying to have things heal in an abbreviated time frame. Now, I can't tell you for sure if his injury to his thumb, I think it was gamekeepers, um, needed surgery if he were just a civilian, if you could just rehab that. But, um, you know, I have a plate in my hand because Marshawn Lynch exploded my thumb joint. I was trying to arm tackle him. I was engaged in a block. By the way, in the fourth quarter of a fucking meaningless Week 17 game, and uh, they put screws in and... um the screws were like external screws so you could like see them outside my hand and i'd go to the bar and like people were trying to get me to do this bar trick where i'd bend the screws uh so that didn't work out well and then um i actually had to have a second surgery because my my hand was completely arthritic and there was no joint left so they put a plate in there but i can tell you that thumb injuries change the way you do everything and um for a quarterback who's north of 40 I'm not saying I doubt it. He's going to have the best of everything, rehab, you know, et cetera. He's not going to be in the bar bending his screws. Um, Probably not. But he is a quarterback who's going to come in and have to contend with the the timing thing. He's never really had to deal with this, I don't think, where he's come back late in the season from an um, an extended, you know, time frame recovery. Uh, is he going to be able to – to feel the timing simultaneously with getting a feel for the ball again. Uh, it's, you know, it says six to eight weeks, but it could be one of those things that you're not going to feel right for 10 to 12 weeks. And that's usually how it goes in the NFL is they put out a six to eight week number and it's more of a carrot for the player as much as anything. And also sometimes they say that, and that just means the, the tissue is structurally safe, which doesn't mean it's safe to go play football or that you're going to be this. You're going to be have the same effectiveness. So, I think it's a big question mark for them. I'm surprised that Teddy's played as as mistake free as he has, and that they found ways to win special teams in 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 the Seattle game. You know, obviously they're well coached. They picked up that fumble. I mean, I know that was a coaching point, right? Remember the Rams game? You know, the Cam Jordan sack that should have been a touchdown. Right. Yeah. You know, Sean knows that this is going to come up the next week and they're going to let plays they're going to let plays play out and i guarantee you he had a whole meeting about that and his guys were on top of it picked up a fumble in that seattle game that everybody thought was dead and went and scored with it they scored on special teams and then last night they won with defense so um they beat the cowboys with four field goals so at the end of the day Sean deserves a lot of credit and i was maybe a little bit uh premature on on sinking them um you know, with this Drew hiatus. The defense is such a big part of this, man. So, um, and, and sometimes them. And look, the defense was, I don't know if off the top of my head statistically what they were last year, but I, I thought they were good, right? Um, I'll have to look it up. They're here. one of those things that, like, historically, your confirmation bias is, like, the Saints defense stink. is a problem. I, you right. know, like, totally. you, you can't, you just remember them as not being great. I mean, the Spagnola years there were, were historically bad. Um, and generally you're always thinking of Drew Brees throwing the ball around 40 times and, um, some of those wild NFC South games that we've gotten used to, but the NFC South looks way different now and their defense is pretty good. Yeah. And if I'm looking at the DVOA stuff right now for New Orleans, now that doesn't have a week four in there, but they're one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, last year, they were 11th. Yeah. So they're 11th. 
So that makes sense. I know you have one last thing and the shout outs that you want to get to here before we uh, call it a day. Oh, yeah. I mean, we really didn't get into the the bills and 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 what their weakness is. It seems like they're one player away. And unfortunately, it could be the quarterback. Uh, but at the same time, the good, it's a good news, bad news thing, because as you look at it, like who's the most ready to compete in that division when Tom retires, whenever that is, it seems like the bills have built the best team. Um, part of that team is obviously somebody who's not going to presumably be around the next three to five years, but uh, who's ageless and everybody loves him is, is Frank Gore and somebody who I played a lot in those years uh, in St. Louis when he was in San Francisco, somebody you just respect a great deal. Just past the 15,000 yard mark, and and uh, I don't know how much you track that stuff. Um, the big question right now is, is there going to be ever another 15,000 yard rusher? I mean, is he the last one? It's a really great question because, you know, at first you're like, well, wait a minute, why would that happen? I remember, you know, when CeCe Sabathia's first six or seven years of his career, they were like, he might be the only one that has a chance of 300 wins. And then... You know, that's that's done. I don't think there'll ever be another 300-game winner in baseball, especially with the way they take everybody out now all the time. And I think it's a great call on Frank Gore. He's fourth now. Emmett's at 18, 355. Walter Payton's 16,700. Barry Sanders is 15,200. Gore's just at 15,000. And the only other active names on the all-time rushing list are Peterson. He's at 13,000, but... You know, and Ingram is like, or Shady? Is it Shady next? Yeah, LaShawn is twenty uh, third. I mean, like LaShawn's got ten thousand yards. He's that's almost eleven thousand yards for his career. Wow! But you can't see him getting another five thousand. I mean, this year no he's going to pick up. I mean, last year he had a really rough year in Buffalo, um, and here comes Gore with the same surroundings, more or less. Now, granted that that offense has made you know, leaps and bounds improvements over the past, you know, eight to 12 games. Um, Brian Dable, who came from New England, has done a great job. And part of why they came out in the second half for a, for just one possession, it looked pretty good. Allen's got to get rid of the ball quicker. That's a whole other topic. Um, but Frank Gore comes in the same situation. He's He's a guy who could be a thousand yard rusher at 36 in his 14th year. I went back and looked at who had the best 14th years uh, in NFL history. I think Riggins and Allen both had about 800 yards plus in their 14th years, respectively. And this this might be more impressive when you look at the offense around him um, and the age in which he plays. He's such an outlier. He's also been good on four teams. I mean, Miami and Indy, you could argue that there were moments where he wasn't himself um but he was very productive obviously san francisco made a lot of hay doing that uh running the ball there four teams consistent a guy that never gets into trouble a guy that's a great teammate um a guy that is a the last of a dying breed and that's a true power back in the nfl uh who's playing well into his 30s and yeah i think he's going to be the last to ever get fifteen thousand yards yeah, I, I can't find anybody else here where I go, you know, who's going to be putting up these kinds of numbers consistently for like 12 years, you know? I don't see and, it. I don't see it. You know, Mark Ingram's at, I mean, Mark Ingram's 76th overall, and he's been in the league since 2011, and he has 6,300 mm-hmm. yards. Like, 
yeah. give me a break, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to get, it's like, for instance, okay. So if you look at like a stat like sacks now with the, with the way, you know, the game is going, um, that stat's going to be easier to crack the top 50 or 100 with, you know, the way the league's changed in the past five to 10 years where this is the opposite. Um, it's really going to be hard to be given enough carries and have enough longevity and fight that stereotype that, which I think is oftentimes misguided that, that running backs are, are dead at 30, you know? Um, so it, it's going to be a challenge. You can follow me at Ryan A. Rosillo. You can follow Chris Long at Joel91. And we'll be back again next Monday, and I'll be here uh, Wednesday and Friday for the Rosillo Podcast on The Ringer. Thank you.